0: Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go.
1: This is the Orange and
0: Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt.
1: It is episode 31 of Orange and Back Check. I am Bill Kornfeld and a guy who refuses to pump his own gas sitting across from me, Scott Weinhart. How's it going, brother? Listen,
0: first of all, episode 31, that's the number I play, used with the bandits, my hockey There there you go. Yeah, so this is great. Don't make fun of me for pumping gas. It's your fault that you live in a state where, you know, listen, listen, you pump all the gas that you want, all right? I will. Listen, there is a pandemic still going on here. The point is that I am fortunate enough to live in a state where it's illegal to pump your own gas. Probably the only thing New Jersey's gotten right. Good for them. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I, I, don't even think Oregon does it anymore. We might be the only ones left, but it just you it's, know just,
1: it's just weird to me that it's as you just put it, it's illegal for a own car owner to pump the own their own gas into the car that they own. Like well, that is an illegal
0: act it's a safety issue i mean think about it gasoline I mean, is a very flammable substance right
1: but how often do you see that there is a gas uh fire or a gas explosion because someone didn't correctly pump their gas tank correctly
0: because we let's be honest we are in new jersey okay so uh, you that's know, fair <laughs> there there is right. a reason there you is win. a reason that some things are in place and all the people who are in through new jersey i'm sure that you're just perfectly fine to pump your own gas but the point is. Not only that, gas pumps are some of the dirtiest things you could ever touch. You don't know what some homeless man came up there and and licked his hands and rubbed his butt <laughs> and and put all these different things on there before pumping the That's gas exactly. and you know maybe bit it, could, you know I, I don't know. But That's the what, point is, is you that, that image. Yeah, I mean, I'm just giving you an image of what could happen. You never know. <laughs> it could. But I don't have to worry about New Jersey because I know that either whether I go to a Wawa or a Sunoco, wherever if there is a if there is a, a person there who is more than willing to say, what can I do for you? And say fill it up. You give them a card or cash, and they take care of it for you. You don't have to get out of your car in bad weather, where it's cold, or it's hot, or it's raining, or snow, or whatever. It's the best thing ever.
1: I I, I just don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> too much gas talk. Too much too much gasoline talk for one uh, simple podcast. That's not even a car podcast. Like, in what podcast? I guess it would be just. I mean, if
0: you want to get technical, I I, I guess if you're talking gas and oil, it'd be more of like a stock market or a futures podcast, but I mean, if you really did that and you're listening to that, you need a life. You should start listening to Orange and Backcheck.
1: I agree. Well, uh, we talked about it. We touched on it last week a little bit, and I think this will be a little bit more of an interesting podcast because I think one of the biggest things that's gone a little bit under the radar um, it's getting a little bit of attention now cause people are starting to really take notice and the NHL has acknowledged it and players are starting to come out and support it. Connor McDavid, all these big name players, NHL players, a few of, uh, minority specifically formed what was, is called the hockey diversity Alliance. And basically what it is, is just to draw, um, more appeal, more awareness to, uh, what is happening in hockey, hockey, whether people know it or not, or realize it or not, hockey has a huge racism problem, specifically just like moments of, of what should be the epitome of joy for these black players. Like you, you think of the, the Joel wards of the world who have scored game winning goals and then immediately called the N bomb by their the fans of the opposing team they have to draw awareness to this and that's what this is doing. So, and just to draw in what is happening here. Now let's also clarify, let's not beat around the bush here. We are two white males talking about minorities and hockey and around the world and how we can form this. So let's, so immediately we want to say is we need, we're just wanting to learn as much as we want to speak on this matter. So if you have, any way shape or form that you can help us learn where you want to talk about your own stories, tell us, tell us what you want to have heard on the air or appear on the podcast yourself. We can set that up. Shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you on how we can help fix the problem. That is racism in hockey, because it is not something that can just go away on its own because there, it do, it hasn't gone away on its own. As they, as Evander Kane and the other players in this letter have addressed, hockey's been around, or ho- racism in hockey has been around for numerous decades, and nothing's fixed it, and it hasn't gone away. And that's one of the reasons there's probably a minority problem of of participation in hockey. So hopefully, that's that that's what this is going to do, and what we will help do.
0: And I think the most important thing that you said there, Bill, is that you know understand is that we're 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 two white guys i mean you can't say any more bluntly than that we 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 don't we can never understand what some people go through in regards to race we 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 don't know we we really don't know and that's why we want to bring attention to this and as bill said we want to help and we want to learn and we want to change things for the better and because it's not good just for hockey, it's good for our entire country, it's good for our entire world. Something like this is probably way overdue that needs to be basically a whole mentality change. Um, you know, it, it's it's personal in a sense because, you know, we we can't describe exactly what someone's going through. So we wanna hear from you. One of the things that we can say is that if there's something that you experienced, bring it to us. Talk to us. We want to hear about it. And the reason why is because we want to hear from your perspective as well or anybody's perspective about how it needs to change or how it can change, should I say, and how we can make it better. I think that the Hockey Diversity Alliance is going to be a big part of that for some of the for for hockey overall i think that'll actually bring some more attention usa hockey has always said that hockey is for everyone um and but i'm not i'm personally i'm not sure about canada hockey specifically uh when you're talking about talking usa hockey i'm talking about like the coaches and the way that usa hockey has to you know has their own things part of their programs is hockey is for everyone you know, a, a little personal experience. I used to coach for Ed Snatter Youth Hockey Foundation, and I did that, and that's where I started coaching, and I coached quite there for a few years. And, um, you know, one of the things that people don't realize, that the reason why hockey does not have many uh, people of the ethnicity in the league is because it's really a privileged sport when you think about it because it's so expensive. I mean – Hockey's not cheap. All of the stuff through Ed Snyder, all that stuff is donated. Either it's donations from companies like Bauer or other equipment companies to provide the uh, the provide the equipment that kids can use, whether and then or people who have had skates and they don't need them anymore, instead of selling them, they donate them to the to the um to Ed Snyder, and, and then the kids get to use that equipment. And um, that's that's the big thing of it. That's that's what helps them out. You know. I think that what we had talked about before, Bill, before this started, is that, you know, that diversity alliance is really going to be big because we need to get everybody involved in the game more. It's the problem is it's so expensive because, and the reason why it's expensive is because the overhead to run a rink is ridiculous. Ice times are like two, three hundred bucks an hour. It's just, it's a really expensive thing because. Think about it. You're trying to keep ice 365 days a year and some of a lot of climates where they can't support ice even three months out of the year. So it's a lot of the overhead is the reason why it's like that. It's become privileged in its own right for that. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that, uh, but but that's that's where it's at. So I'm hopefully, you know, a lot of the players here have had to deal with situations such as um, Akeem Alou who was actually the player in question that caused Bill Peters to get fired earlier this year because of comments he previously made to him, which we discussed months ago on our show. Evander Kane's another one. Wayne Simmons is one. Um, uh, Matt Dumba – and also uh, Joel Ward, a former NHL player. So, um, you know, a lot of these yeah. players are coming together and to do that. But, you know, well, let I, me
1: let me read just a quick uh, a quote from this letter that they sent out. And they're working independently from the NHL, which I think is a good thing because not they're working. They're not working with Gary Bettman or Bill Daly directly. They were they or for them, I should say. They want to work with them, but not for them in making this. Uh, thing happened. And, and what the letter says in part is, quote, we will promote diversity at all levels of the game through community outreach and engagement with youth and will endeavor to make the game more affordable and accessible. We will also focus on educating the hockey community about the racism issue confronting the sport while advocating for acceptance and equality, end quote. Now, I think what you were alluding to, uh, what you were alluding to not uh, was hockey is for everyone. Yes. and what hockey for everyone is really about is the lgbtq community because it's around pride month it's usually in it's usually actually it's not in june because to, this month is pride month but i believe it's in maybe it's just a night i think the flyers hold a pride night and all the nhl teams do it's not just the flyers that do this but it's not, and I'm not diminishing the LGBTQ community, but but when everyone says hockey is for everyone, you also are not addressing the minority, the black community. So then they just feel more disenfranchised. So NHL immediately, what they immediately need to do is incorporate minorities and black communities in hockey is for everyone, not just LGBTQ. And again, I'm not saying to diminish the LGBT community, But when you're using this phrase of hockey is for everyone, then you need to include everyone, not just a select group.
0: Agreed. And and I think that's the key of why I think hockey is for everyone kind of needs to be redefined. And it
1: literally needs to be everybody. And I agree with you here's a, here's a group that I like we when in my research for this, this, this episode, what I stumbled upon and I hope we can get them on the show. I would love to have these guys on the show, the, yeah. this group. Uh, there's a group, actually girls, I shouldn't say guys. There's a group on Twitter called black girl hockey club. And it's literally about for black girl hockey fans and the folks who love us. And it's, it's having a great discussion. And I already signed up and I, I encourage you all to, if you go to their Twitter account, you know, Twitter account, at Black Girl Hockey, you can on this coming Saturday, June twentieth, at one PM Eastern. Eastern, they're hosting a what is called a Juneteenth discussion: race, hockey, and community. So it's about it's basically what we're trying to articulate as two white males, but coming from the the aspect of the people that truly experience it. So I, I, I would love to get these guys on the, these women on the show, someone from a representative and talk about this. We are two white privileged males talking about hockey and an issue in hockey that we don't experience ever. We see it, we witness it, but we never experience it, and that's a huge difference. So, I encourage you all go to their Twitter page at Black Girl Hockey and sign up for this Eventbrite. This I think it's just a digital Zoom meeting, is my guess from what I understood from their Eventbrite page and their Twitter page. It's completely free. I encourage you also to donate to their cause because they are raising awareness and helping fight racism in hockey. So, give them a shout out at Black Girl Hockey. That's that. That's where I I'm going to direct everyone, and I'm going to to tweet at or tag them in our when I when we post this episode as well
0: and we're going to try to get them on to the the group to come on an interview as well and and talk with us and kind of see what their message exactly is what they want to do and what their overall goal is because you know what's really cool I go back to my days at Ed Snyder is that and they're just and, and it's predominantly it's predominantly uh, black and and that's that's a really cool thing to see because there's a lot of kids who're just out there having fun and and in a lot of different places wouldn't get that opportunity if you're in the city of Philadelphia and you get to sign up for Ed Snyder Youth Hockey. Well, at the time I was there anyway for free. It's it's just a foundation that the company does and and it's a nonprofit and they they go deeper than hockey. They have after school programs. They have counselors that help you out with your home. Work and stuff like that. It's basically where you get to leave school, and instead of going and doing something else, you can go play hockey and and also get your studies done by a bunch of people who just want to get together to coach kids hockey. And this is what it's all about. When I was there, is that we all of us coaches we wanted to coach kids the hockey, and we had fun with them and and also they have counselors there who are more there for the educational piece who just want to teach kids how to get through school and give them a the fruitful life and it's the coolest thing ever that there are things out there that go towards these communities to help them and it doesn't get enough press to be honest with you it does not doesn't. like the huge this is a huge opportunity for these kids to really you know take part in a sport they normally wouldn't be able to participate in.
1: Now I I don't know obviously as you just said you used to coach for the Ed Snyder Youth Foundation when when is there an age limit like does it only go up to 17 18 yes. and then the kids okay, so yep. the the immediate concern or like it's not it's not it's not the youth foundation's fault like there has to be other programs that can assist them in this but like if there's an 18 year old kid who is playing hockey in the under this system and then he turns 18 and that's it. He can no longer... And then he has to find something else to do. That's a real shame, especially if he's good at hockey. There, like, and that's what Black Girl Hockey is hopefully trying to achieve mm-hmm. and raising awareness not just for women hockey, but also my uh, minorities minority women in hockey trying to play the sport, but also males that are play that are minorities playing the sport at that age. Because we kind of just assume that eighteen is an adult. Eighteen yeah. is an adult. No. but it's also silly to think of it as a fully grown adult because. It's not. You still have probably one year left of high school or about to enter your freshman year of college and you have no idea what you're doing with your life. So there's a there, like it's scary because hopefully you don't go down a dark road, which that unfortunately these minority and black players have to face in their lives, and their communities because they are so disadvantaged. And we have to the, the objective is to help them with this. So that's where other organizations and i'm not putting blame on the youth found the ed snyder youth foundation for saying oh no 18 and then we're done i I can't blame them for that you have to make a cutoff at some point otherwise you get overrun and you can't uh completely organize the kids in a safe and meaningful fashion Mm -hmm. so that's what needs to happen next it's not just getting these kids at a young age off the streets and and able to uh Play hockey and get in, endeavored, uh, be engulfed into the world of hockey. But also after that, what happens after that? Otherwise, you become, unfortunately, what Akeem Alayu uh, 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 faces from, as he said, from a sixteen-year-old kid being hazed in junior league all the way up till he was thirty-one being hazed by in Calgary or whatever age he was. Like it's absolutely insane that a, a grown man is. Being hazed and slapped with his stick and slapped hard with his stick and like purposefully, not just like in the grunts of an NHL hockey game where your your stick gets trapped in between a guy's legs or hits his shins or something like that, but as he named he named him da- straight out, Steve Downey did this to him. And he went on to have a, a very successful career, Steve Downey. And I'm not saying a you didn't, but still, like he faced this over his head for his entire life. And that's a damn shame. And no one could, and, and like no one addressed it to help him. That's mind boggling to me.
0: Yeah. And it goes back to kind of, I I went on a rant back in, I want to say January or February when the whole thing with Mike Babcock came out and then this came out and, and Ken Holland, not knowing it. You know, the reason I'm backtracking this is that you're right. Like, you have to think that someone had to take notice of this, and someone should have taken responsibility. The fact that Johan Franzen – now I'm talking something different. Johan Franzen was basically bullied to the point by Mike Babcock where he basically had a nervous breakdown more than once. And you're telling me that when the, the team leadership of the Detroit Red Wings with the GM Ken Holland, Ken Holland was like, he's my coach, deal with it. We, we can't live in a society like this anymore professional sports or not these are still human beings these yes. people are still human beings they have feelings they breathe air okay they have hearts that pump they have feelings and and they have things that bother them and things that they enjoy you know we, we need to be more sensitive that someone that someone just because they're in a professional league can deal with these types of things okay it, it makes me sad to look back because, like, for instance, like some of the guys that are that are in here, especially one, like that that, that Trevor Daly, people probably don't remember what happened back in 2002 with Trevor Daly. John Van Beesburg, former flyer, he, yeah. he he called Trevor Daly the N word. Now, the thing is, Van Beesburg at the time, it, there was a lot of attention. He got fired from the Sioux Salt Marie Greyhounds. He was the GM at the time or, or GM and coach. Um, he, he he lost the job because of that. And there wasn't a whole lot brought to it because it was so strange but it it did come up that way and now you're starting to see this stuff open up i mean we can go back to the wayne simmons incident back in 2011 or i'm sorry 2011 or 12. um that incident there that that was an issue where the guy threw the banana peel completely unacceptable and then you have pk suban who scored an overtime winner in a playoff game against the bruins and boston fans started using the n-word all over twitter this this is not acceptable and if for one iota of a second you think it is acceptable then something is wrong with you
1: yeah I mean, you-, you can't just you can't just use the excuse of oh it's just the heat of the moment me being passionate about supporting my team that had just lost to a game tying or game or excuse me a game winning overtime goal that's not an excusable reason to do that of any sight
0: yeah and not too. There's other ethnicities in the NHL. I mean, think of think of a couple guys who are of the Middle Eastern descent, believe it or not. Brandon Saad, Justin mm-hmm. Ablocator, Mika Zibanejad, even though he's from Sweden, he's still of Middle Eastern descent. And Nazim Kadri. So I mean, you, you those guys unfortunately have probably seen some things to it. You have Latino players like Al Montoya, Austin Matthews. Yes, he is of Latino descent. Max Pacioretty, and also former player Rafi Torres, and then you have other descents like Asian descent, Kyler Yamamoto of the Oilers and, and then Matt Dumba so I mean yeah. the whole point is is that you 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 can't look at these players and 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 think like all of a sudden that you know they think it's acceptable because they're players they can they can deal with any kind of slur against their ethnicity It's not acceptable by any means and People need to start understanding the fact that hate's not accepted anymore. It, it, people are pushing back, you know. Yeah, I, I, if I and rightfully so. I, and if I could tell a quick story, real quick, there, there's someone I know recently who I've talked to in, 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 about this, and um, they are of uh, they 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 are of color, and. Um, this person I talked to said that a friend asked them if they were going to come to the protest and, and, and protest with the with the George Floyd uh, issue. And, and uh, this person said, no, like, flat out, no, like, I'm not going to protest. And when I asked them why, they said, I shouldn't have to protest to be treated like a human. And... You know that that spoke beyond words to me. I, I literally was flabbergasted, and it all came full circle for me in a sense where the reason why you're seeing all of this is because something I will never be able to understand because it's it's never happened to me because I'm a, a privileged white guy. Let's be honest. And the point is, is that this person had some situations that I'm not going to go into detail about where you could literally hear the way that they were explaining it, they were not treated as a human being. They were treated less than that. And that is just wrong. So anytime that you are saying any kind of ethnic ethnic slur to somebody, whatever it is, or treating them differently because of their ethnicity or their sexual orientation or their gender you're not treating them as a human being. And that's not the way that we can continue. And hockey's a small part of this, but the bigger point is, is that as a society, we need to start understanding that we're all human beings. I'm not say making it say that the the Black Lives Matter movement means any less. It does not. Because the reason behind it, though, is why it's going on is because people don't feel like they're being treated as human. And if you can't wrap your head around that, that the reason why these things are happening and people feel this way is because they aren't feeling treated like human, like beings, then that's the only thing you need to look at. You, you can't, you can't take any other angle because if you take any other angle and say, well, but, well, but means you don't look at someone who's not like yourself as a human being and exactly. that's unacceptable.
1: 100. I don't think I could have said it any better, especially for that, that person that you know that has gone through that tribulations. It's just, it puts a face to it in your aspect. And I've had those experiences too, in terms of what I've witnessed that put a face to it and experience and you really realize what happens to these people. So again, As two white men, we can only say so much. And we've gone maybe about like 45 minutes, 30 minutes, 40. I don't even, I've lost track of time on this topic. And it's, it's a tough one for us alone to discuss. So again, if you want to help us understand and just share your experiences and even come on the podcast or just send us an email, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, there's this is an open space to discuss this kind of things. And that's why we're doing this episode. We don't want to feel like you're being isolated and only have – x amount of places to go we're just one more place that you can go so please don't hesitate to talk to us or share with us your stories orange and Backcheck at gmail.com you can be anonymous we don't we're not going to pressure you if you want to stay anonymous that is perfectly acceptable we're not going to pressure you to put a name to it that's why scott said his story in his in his way he didn't put any names to it and we'll completely respect your wishes um I think that's really all we can say about it, right? Like, there's not much.
0: No, we I mean, can do. let's be real. What What else can we? I mean, the thing is, as we mentioned a couple times already. You know, we want we want to bring attention to this, so that way we can help become part of the solution. Is that we've heard enough of the problems in a sense where. You know, we, we we understand that there are people out there who are, unfortunately, who are listeners of ours who probably don't agree with our views and may not listen to us. And you know what? Unfortunately, I'm okay with that because the thing is, is that if, if you're not seeing the bigger picture with this, is that you you, you have to find some way that you will. And if it means tuning us out because you don't want to hear us, that's your prerogative. That's fine. and I don't, I'm not badgering our listeners. Don't give me that way. But the point is, is that we have to, we have a platform here where we're able to be part of a solution to take, to, to solve a problem. And that's exactly what we want to do way anyway, which, how, whether we need to learn, whether we need to teach, whether we need to just sit there and let others speak. That's what we're here for.
1: Exactly. Um, so before we wrap, let's do a little bit of news on what's happening around the NHL. I, other than what we just spent all, all this time on. And it's an important cause. Um, really the only thing that's been going on other than like the the teams are still figuring out the host cities which I think is a little interesting that they haven't named a city but they're doing their due diligence I'm sure they're trying to figure out what's the safest city so between Vegas uh, Pittsburgh I've heard somewhere in Arizona I believe Like they're, but the really the big story is the Buffalo Sabres have completely gone fire sale in terms of their front office and and it's a real uh, question and I think what the only thing that's interesting for Flyers fans is the future of Jack Eichel. Um, at the end of the day, I think he stays in Buffalo because, as we learned in the in the prep for this, they have a ton of cap space and they can easily build around this player. But what are what a percentage chance that he is traded, not to the Flyers, but just traded in general, Scott?
0: <sighs> percentage chance of Eichel getting traded? Um. I would say if you're talking a percentage now I'm being real here um le- probably I would say around less than zero percent
1: yeah yeah I, I like I think at the end of the day <laughs> because he's only he's in a four-year career or he's in year four of his career he's had nothing but uh, like he's taken a next step in every year of his career. He scored more goals every year in, in a, in amount of time. Like, it's just, he's one of the, he's the face of that franchise and he's only 23 years old.
0: Yeah. And he's making good coin too, for the next lot of years. He's actually yeah, he making just 10 that million. Contract. Yeah. So he's making 10 million. He signed the maximum, one of the maximum extensions. So he's making 10 million until the end of the 25, 26 season. And even then, you know, so I think he's twenty three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He'll be thirty years old and a free agent. So he'll still probably have a lot in his game left then. I don't think he's going anywhere. And it's weird because like Buffalo, they're on their fourth GM since Darcy Regier departed in twenty thirteen. Darcy Regier was a longtime GM from nineteen ninety seven to twenty thirteen. And then they brought in Tim Murray for three years, Jason Bottle for three years. Now they have Kevin Adams. They're probably going to have to go outside Terry Pakula, I don't know what he's doing, um, but he's got to write this shit because I think there's a couple issues here on the Sabers team. And I know we're we're a Flyers podcast, but th- this is kind of important because they're kind of going through a little bit now what the Flyers are going through right at the transition of the Hextall era. Mm-hmm. Um, And the reason I say that is because They they have some talent there It just hasn't blossomed They haven't made some of the best decisions In order to refine the, and around the, the, around the team They had Robin Leonard in goal for a while But Robin Leonard for a while They were struggling with substance abuse So he actually was not performing at his peak level Reed Revitalized his career After they let him go And he went with the Islanders He played for the Blackhawks this year And I was in Vegas But overall Really, the team hasn't been the same since Ryan Miller left. And let's be honest, they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. They haven't been pretty decent since that time. And the last time they made the playoffs, they were up three two on the Flyers and went a blow in that series. They have good talent here. Jack Eichel's tied up. They don't. People forget they had Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner is actually a pretty solid goal scorer. Scored a, a career, I think, believe a career high in, in goals last year. He's signed a 25-26. That's another part of their core. Kyle Poso is an older player now, but he's still pretty useful as far as a power forward. They have um Rasmus Dallen, who's another great prospect. He's got another one that on their blue line. And then Rasmus Ristolainen. He's uh, actually he was another really good defenseman, too. That's still about 25 years old. They have some of the tools in place. He had thirty-three. Ristolainen wristline 33 points this year. They have some talent here. They just haven't been able to put it all together. I mean, overall, if you look at their core, it's pretty young. Real quick, we talked about Eichel. Okay, Sam Reinhardt, they're basically their second center, is 24. Victor Olivsen, okay, he's a winger, he's 24. Rasmus Dalin is 19. Rasmus Mr. Linen is 25. Marcus Johansson's 29, a little bit older. Jimmy Vesey, a former Ranger, he's there. He's, he. I mean, not a great season at all by any means. He's only 26. Yeah. Jeff Skinner had a really poor year this year. He's 27. The point is that they have a pretty decent career with some guys who have some experience with, but I don't understand why for any reason they can't just put this whole thing together. Really, I think it's their goaltending, but they just they, they they started out hot and they just fell off a cliff.
1: So let's play a hypothetical here. I think this will be a fun little bit to do on these kind of scenarios when teams are having a fire sale or just we could do this probably weekly. Uh, let's say Buffalo comes to the flyers and says, listen, we, 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 we need to, we're completely cleaning house. We're getting rid of Jack Eichel. We, 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 don't, we think he costs too much, even though we have all this calf space, we want to spend our money elsewhere. They approach, uh, 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 Oh my God. I'm blanking on Chuck Fletcher, Chuck Fletcher. I don't know why I just had a mental <laughs> mind block. That was weird. Chuck Fletcher. They approach Chuck Fletcher and they say, listen, you'll take Jack Eichel 23 year old signed for the next 10 years. We want, Shane Gossespierre, Sean Couturier, and a mid-round pick. Do you say yes right away, or do you think about it and just, you know, or is it an immediate no for you?
0: Because I'm against analytics, Mm -hmm. I bet a lot of guys with analytics might say probably do that in a heartbeat. For Couturier, though, for Couturier, here's my killer. Here's my killer with this. Katerie's blossomed into a pretty solid top line center.
1: And, and only 27 years old.
0: And yes, and he's and he's he's defensively responsible. I gotta pull up his his numbers here from this short case here. But um here's the thing. I know that Jack Eichel's 23. There's a four year difference there. Jack Eichel is a much, much more natural goal scorer and a much, much better offensive play driver than Sean Kateri is. So I know that. But Sean Couturier only had fifty nine points this year. Saying only fifty nine, that's that's pretty that's pretty solid for him. I think throughout his career, I have to look at it as further. as career stats: fifty nine mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, he, he, he his career high seventy six. Okay, let's look at, at that kicker though. That plus minus, if you go actually, back
1: and seventy, sorry, seventy six was last season and before the stop, he was kind of flirting with seventy six again depending on like he had 13 games left, he was flirting with it. I don't know if 59 points, that's a little tough, but he was flirting with
0: it in 13 games. You'd have to be really hot by that point. I think he probably ended. He probably end around like high sixties, low seventies. I would say that he probably, he probably could get to about maybe 67 to 70. I'd Mm -hmm. say 72 points. If he was a point per game. Yep. Here's the thing. The killer is for me is that if you go back and look at Sean Couturier's career, his rookie season, he was pretty much the reason the Flyers beat the Penguins in that first round because of his defensive responsibility. In his rookie year, he's a plus 18 with only 27 points. That's fantastic. Okay? 2017-18, he had 76 points. He was a plus 34. Yeah. That, is, that means he was on the ice for 34 more goals than he was on it against. That is tremendous. This season... He is a plus 21 with only 59 points. That's wonderful. I mean, he's so responsible two-way. And looking at the game of hockey, I've always said, and I've said it on this podcast before, you need two good centers to win a Stanley Cup. Center does not just mean play driving. Center also means that you need to be that third defenseman. You need to play 200 feet, which is what the importance of Kevin Hayes is, which is why the Flyers could likely be contenders this year because of Kevin Hayes sliding behind Kateri. Kateri's always had that defensive role in this game. It just took him a few years to become offensively oriented because they kept him on the back end. Let's forget last season where he was a plus two because the Flyers were god awful last year. Mm -hmm. But Jack Eichel, has 78 points, okay, through 68 games, and is a plus 5. Yeah. So that worries
1: me. But at the same time, this is his first plus season of his career. He's been minus 16, minus 13, minus 25, and minus 11 for the first four years of his career. So – Is it his fault that he's on the ice the most because he's the best player and he's on the worst one of the worst teams in the AHL? I can't put like like a plus and minus to me. It varies player by player because you also have to take the full scope of everything of how bad the team is, how good the team is, and probably and just how who he's surrounded with. Yes, plus minus is important because especially for players like Sean Couturier who are on competent teams, contender teams, playoff teams and he's still putting up these absurd numbers. That's really impressive. I agree with you. Jack Eichel is on a really bad team. You can, and he's the best player on that team. Yeah. You can't fault him for when the coach has to put him on the for like his average ice time this e- year is 22 minutes. He's averaging a full period plus. His entire career has been almost a full period plus. So like i can't blame him for when he puts up poor plus minus when he's on a crappy team
0: yeah but still i mean let's look at let's look at his points on a 56 oh. 57 64 82 and 78 he's had one plus season which means he's not responsible defensively has only had one minus season his entire career and that was the lockouts here he's a plus 92 in his career in 647 games, he's got 402 points, and he's a plus 92. You need well, that out of your top line center. You need that defensive coverage. You need so, it.
1: So back to the original question: Yes or no? Couturier, ghost, in a mid round pick for Jack Eichel. I,
0: I can't, I can't do that. I, 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 I cannot do that. I mean, am I? People probably think you're nuts taking out. You know, the offensive ability of. Jack Eichel and putting Jack Eichel next to Giroud. how amazing that could probably be. Yeah, but how long does Drew get? And you're going to pay $10 million to a guy to with no winger now? Because look, let's be real here. You need a winger to play with him. You need a good winger to play with it Jeff Skinner had a career year last year. This year, Jeff Skinner didn't do anything. So really, that says to me is that well, I'm putting Skinner with Eichel. Am I getting the most out of both players? I don't know. And again, Jack Eichel in five seasons is a minus sixty. <laughs> he's yeah. got three hundred thirty-seven points in three hundred fifty-four games. Great, almost a point per game player in this in this era is fantastic. But he's a minus sixty. I, I I can't I can't look at that and say okay, this guy is going to be responsible for me in my defensive end regardless of anything because if you're a plus five with seventy-eight points. I, I'm 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 sorry. I, I, I couldn't do that deal. Mid round pick, nothing to her meet. Ghosts, look, he's probably trade bait anyway at the end of the season. That's great. They're probably gonna have to make a move only because <laughs> the cap is gonna be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean you'll probably see Taylor Hall do a Marion Hosa and and take a one-year deal with a contender, which is strange by the way, but I was thinking this week, like he reminds me a lot of Marion Hosa so much talent, but needs an actually a really good center to play with. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do that deal. Uh, what do you think? I would do it. Oh, Billy. here's here's Billy. here's the
1: only reason why.
0: Cause he's 23.
1: no, Because the risk of the the risk reward of taking Jack Eichel's peak or excuse me, his prime compared to what we're in now in Sean Couturier's prime, I would take the risk because Jack Eichel's prime is at least two times better than Couturier's prime if he pans out.
0: Okay. If he pans out.
1: uh, But to end to your point about he's not that good, he's kind of a defensive liability. He's in two seasons ago in 2018, 2019, he had 70 hits, 51 blocks, 38 takeaways. This season, he had 42 blocks, 40 hits and 44 takeaways. So he's decent on defense. Again, Mm. it goes back to my point about he's surrounded by crap.
0: I don't think he is surrounded by crap, though. I think he's got some bad goaltending on the team, but I just don't think Eichel is... Listen, and he had to take it from a business aspect, too. Let's talk about that for a second. Sean Kateri is on a ridiculously valued deal for the next three seasons, okay? True. Yeah. So, he'll be a free agent after the 22-23 season, but he'll still only be 29 years old at $4.5 million cap it. Probably see that go up to more $7, 8000000 million, but still, the point is, is that... Eichel is going to be ten million dollars regardless. So if it, if Eichel doesn't pan out, you're jamming up your cap hit again, and you just signed Kevin Hayes to a seven million dollar contract per season. So you you I, I'm not looking at just the hockey side; I'm looking at the business side as well. The point is is that Kittery, the Flyers have, have a guy of who's who's a homegrown talent that they're he is probably next in line after the after Giroux retires. Which yeah. we don't know when that would be. And he'll probably be the next guy with the C on his chest. I, I really believe that. The point is, though, he's also on a really, really good deal, which helps him out. Michael, at $10 million, you're saddling your cap hit. Okay. You already locked up Kinectni, you locked up Provorov. You locked up Kataria for a couple of years here. You're going to – if the cap doesn't budge for a few years there, you're not going to be able to do anything, and you're not going to be stuck for another 10 seasons with a guy. And Not only that, too, the money would never work with that because you would also need to give up something of value to, in order to make just the money work with the $10 million cap. It So you'd have to probably dump off either Giroux or Vorchak. You'd have no choice if you're going to make that deal. But I don't think that even if you threw in Voracek in the deal, that it's something that you were taking way too much away from the Flyers there. And I still think that even with Eichel, you could probably get more value for what you need with Ghost because of the size of his contract. And still teams, believe it or not, even though he's not great at his defensive end, he probably could still generate some decent value around a league, a team who needs a a, a play driver. I mean, and you and I were even talking about a couple of days, like a week ago, is that, you know with the whole ghost trade rumor thing going on is that i would even be hard pressed to see if ghosts is even dressed when they start back up
1: yeah we talked about it and that let's we'll talk about that next week with because the prospect of what's going to happen cuz i think we need i think this week we're going to see get a little bit more info on what's going to happen with the nhl cuz yeah. they oh well actually we completely did miss a piece of news i just realized this and we'll wrap here they announced that training camp's going to open on july 10th I, I think that. Uh, oh broke yeah, that's out.
0: right. We did miss that. How could we, we miss that?
1: We missed that we have because we – bigger issues at hand. <laughs> we we released the, yeah. We have one bigger issue. Those we spent the first forty five minutes of the forty five minutes to an hour of this episode podcast on. But also that that news came out the day after we recorded our last episode on Wednesday night. So that's how we missed that. So July tenth is when training camp is supposed to open and actually Katuri is one of these guys that's been on at in Voorhees training on his own and with other players, limited players, I'm assuming uh, like crazy. He's been out on four. I think I read four or five times a week. Uh, so it's impressive to see he's going to be hungry. And I'm very curious that to see, I think in the next week or two, we're going to get a, our host cities, our, our hub cities uh, and, and go from there because This is getting down to crunch time, and again, I'm not saying – I'm not getting pessimistic again, but if they don't start coming out with more answers than questions, people are going to start faltering and it's going to – or questioning what's going on here, and you don't want an MLB situation. Not saying it's going to escalate to that, but the NHL is is in a good spot here and they cannot waste it.
0: No, I agree with you, and I don't think they will. I think that the NHL has done themselves a service by – making sure right away they're saying, no, we're going to get back to playing. Here's a plan. Everybody's on board. Let's get it done. Yep. I think that they have actually pulled themselves out of the basement of the pro for pro sports, because I think everybody pretty much is done with baseball right now because it's been the most ridiculous back and forth that hockey fans have had to endure in 2005 and 2013 with those lockouts. Uh, I, I think that people will probably see that. And again, we talked about it last week. it will say it again. As far as if if there is a thing where the NBA is going to play through the summer and the hockey plays through the winter, and oh man, it, it could change the entire landscape of sports. So uh, this is this is going to be really interesting to watch.
1: Yeah. Uh, so on on that note, I think that's a good spot to wrap. I think uh, again shoot us an email if you want to share us your stories, uh, just how we can help. I think that's the biggest thing. Not just the stories that you want to share, but how Scott and I can help uh, you as a minority that is a hockey fan that has faced these tragedies uh, of racism. How can we help you not just be talking about it. We want to do action. That's why again, I signed up for the Black Girl Hockey Club. They're doing an event. Just go to their Twitter at Black Girl Hockey. It's all right there. It's all free. Um, I'll also tag it in our, uh, I'll tag their Twitter uh, handle in the post of this t- so you can see it right then and there. Sign up for it. Let's all come together on this issue because it is an issue. It's it, it's something that shouldn't just be swept under the rug like it has been the last decade or so, 15, more than a decade. So shoot us an email on and backcheck at gmail.com uh, we thank you for listening it's amazing to hear from you we always l- enjoy hearing from you and thank you to you as being our listener that's the biggest thing that drives us as a, as, as a podcast you the listener so we appreciate you we love you and uh, you know we'll talk to you next week treat
0: everyone like a human being